I'm so glad to be here. If we could turn that down a little bit. Just a little bit there. I'm so, there we go. I love that verse that says, I was glad when they said, let us go into the house of the Lord. And you want to know something? When we come together, it's a place of joy. It's a place of gladness. Because we have to realize this isn't the house of the Lord because somehow the Lord lives here in some corner or some holy space. This is the house of the Lord because where two or three are gathered together, what? There I am in the very midst. And so God is here, and we should be so full of joy. Hallelujah. Isn't it wonderful to gather together? Praise God. Hey, before we get into the teaching, I really want to encourage all of you to be praying about New Hope uh, Pregnancy Crisis Center. It's in the Sacred Melodies Plaza, and... Uh, they're the only one in the area. And what they do is they offer Christian counseling for young women that are pregnant. And uh, they go in, they can have a sonogram so that the young person can see that the baby is a living, viable being. And then they have counseling for them. And they also have a, an adoption agency. So if the parents or the parent decides to put the child up for adoption, they can do that. But New York State is coming against them, filing a lawsuit, because what they refuse to do is to put a child into a same-sex marriage or a same-sex home. Now, here's what we have to understand as believers. We don't have hateful attitudes towards anyone, right? And if it's a same-sex couple, they might be good people. They might be nice people. But we stand in the Word of God. And the Word of God says that marriage is between a man and a woman. The Word of God says that he in charge children to a home of a husband and a wife. And so one of the things that I heard years ago is that good is the enemy of excellence. And so there might be a lot of things in this world that this world offers that seem good, but it's not the excellent thing. The excellent thing is according to God's Word. Amen. Yes, and we have a secret sisters group, you guys, you, you girls, uh, you ladies, <laughs> whoever you are. But we have, the, we, we have a secret sisters group, and what that is, ladies, you really want to be part of it. And, and there, that's about the only time I ever wished that I was a lady. I'd like to be part of it. But I really would encourage you because what they do is you have a sign-up sheet. You fill out your name, uh, your prayer needs, and, and whatever else, your favorite candy, I think something like that they have on there too. And uh, then you put it in a basket, and then they have one day where the ladies come together and they pick a name. No one knows whose name they have, and on it, you have a person that you're going to be praying for, and maybe uh, once in a while give them a little gift of whatever their favorite thing is they put down, but you're going to be praying for them. And that's the heart of this ministry is prayer, because God answers prayer. You understand that? We're not just talking into the air. We're talking to Almighty God. And so then at the end of the whole session of Secret Sisters, they have a banquet here at the church. They come together, and then the ladies go around the room, and they share who they've been praying for. And it's a really neat time because these ladies have been praying for one another, not knew, knowing who it was. And so pick up a form and make sure you fill it out, ladies, and be part of this very awesome group. Let's pray. Father, we come before you in Jesus' name, and, and we do think of new hope, Lord, even right now. 
And your Holy Spirit is able to work powerfully and mightily in ways that we can't even think or understand. And we ask, Father, that you would just get right in the center of this lawsuit and allow your word and your truth to prevail. And, Father, we thank you for the ladies of our church. And I do pray you'd bless this Secret Sisters gathering for this year. This uh, group would just be a, uh, just a bastion of prayer for one another and probably for all their husbands and, and our church as well. And Lord, I, I also praise you and thank you for this gathering. What a happy occasion it is to gather around your word. And I pray as we open up scripture, as we look into this portion of scripture, that you would use it to minister, minister to our hearts and souls. Because, Lord, one of the things that we know is we're clueless. We have no idea how to handle life in this world, but your word does and your Holy Spirit leads. And so, Father, we ask that by your spirit you would come and lead us in the, in the understanding of your word, I pray in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So if you would open your Bibles along with me to Exodus 24, Pastor Frank Jr. Uh, finished uh, chapter 23, so we're picking up in Exodus 24, starting with verse 1. But I wanted to share with you, <coughs> excuse me, from the very day, from the very day that we received Jesus Christ, as a free gift of God, we have life. We have become a new creation. When you got saved that day, it was really a miracle that took place because you went on your knees in prayer as a sinner with no hope, and you prayed, Jesus, forgive me my sin. Come, take over my life. Lead me in your ways. And he did, and he does, and he continues to do. Because he justifies us, he sanctifies us, and one day he'll glorify us. And that's the God we serve. He's not a part-time God. You know, he's with us the whole time. In Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10, it says, listen to this. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ for good works. Listen to this which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Sometimes we think we know what our good works should be. Sometimes we think we know the way we should go. But this is telling us God has prepared beforehand good works for us to walk in. And all we have to do is be, to be open and to follow the Lord, and those good works will be laid out in front of us. You know, I don't know if how many of you are old enough to remember before cars had power steering. Anybody here who remembers before cars had power steering? There's about four of us here. <laughs> but anyway, um, before cars had power steering, you young people are going to think this is amazing. If you were standing still and you wanted to turn your car like you were you know, coming out of a parking spot, it was like, because you were really just turning the wheels. In fact, I don't know how many of you remember these either. Either you used to put a knob on the wheel. Remember those? And put a knob on it so you could grab a hold of the knob and, and help steer the car. And they used to call those suicide knobs because you'd have them put on, and then when you got to, to be a little bit overweight, the steering wheel would come back and the knob would get caught in your shirt and you'd crash. But anyway, um, that's how they got the name suicide knob. But the point I'm getting at is when the car was standing still, it was impossible to turn. But when you're traveling down the road, it was so easy to turn. My point being, if you're moving, God can direct you. If you're moving, God can turn you. 
if you're just standing there. Lord, I'm willing to do anything you want me to do. Just do it. You're going to keep standing there. Because God, in order to move you, it's going to have to be. But we walk. And what does scripture say? We walk and he guides our steps. So we need to be moving with the Lord. Also, in 2 Peter 1.3, as his divine power, his divine power has given us all things. You notice it doesn't say some things. All things that pertain to life, this whole life we have, and godliness, how to live a holy life. Through the knowledge of him who called us by glory and virtue. Given us everything. Then in 2 Corinthians 1.20, for all the promises of God in him, the him, of course, is Jesus Christ, all the promises of God in him are yes, and in him, Jesus Christ, are amen, 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 is taken from the word, the Hebrew word that means so be it. It is. It's declared. Uh, to the glory of God through us. And we have to remember, it's all about bringing glory to him. It's not bringing glory to ourselves. Oh, look how wonderful I am. Look what a great Christian I am. It's always about bringing glory to him. And we get caught up in that sometimes. You know, sometimes the most difficult um, consequences or the most difficult hurdles that we have in life is when we think we're doing a great job, right? I'm doing really well with this. I'm doing great. And we start taking the glory on ourselves. Glory, the glory has to be his. And his alone. So we are picking up in Exodus chapter 24, starting with verse 1. Exodus 24, verse 1. Now he, being God, said to Moses, Come up to the Lord, you, Aaron, Nadab, and Abihu, and 70 of the elders of Israel, and worship from afar. Notice that worship from afar. We're going to mention, uh, get into that in a moment. And Moses alone shall come near the Lord, but they shall not come near, nor shall the people go up with him. So Moses came and told the people all the words of the Lord and all the judgments. And all the people answered with one voice and said all the words which the Lord has said. Listen to this. We will do. They're making a promise. We're going to do everything the Lord says. Verse 4. <clears throat> And Moses wrote all the words of the Lord, and he rose early in the morning, and he built an, uh, an altar at the foot of the mountain, and twelve pillars according to the twelve tribes. So what is that telling us? Twelve pillars for the twelve tribes, it means God includes everyone. Everyone's included in the promises of God. From one end of the earth to another, from one nationality to another, from one ethnic group to another, all are included in the promises of God. Verse 5. Then he sent young men of the children of Israel who offered burnt offerings and sacrificed peace offerings of oxen to the Lord. And Moses took half the blood and put it in basins, plural. Do you understand how much blood there would be? You're talking about thousands and thousands that were sacrificed. And half the blood he sprinkled on the altar. Half of that much blood being poured in the altar would just saturate the altar. It would be running over with blood. And you might be thinking, oh, how gross is that to think about what that looked like? But you know what it's pointing to? One day there is going to be an altar called a cross. 
and someone was going to be hung on that cross whose blood would run down it. The Lamb of God, the perfect sacrifice for the sin of the world, that anyone who calls upon his name shall be saved. No one is excluded from that promise. Anyone means anyone who calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. What promises we have in God's word. Verse 5. Then he sent young men of the children of Israel. Oh, I already read that. Sorry. And, and uh, verse 7. Then he took the book. This is interesting. Pay attention here. Then he took the book of the covenant and read in the hearing of the people. And the reason that's interesting is Moses has not been given the law yet when he goes up in the mountain. Moses hasn't written the Torah yet. So he read a book here of the covenant. And I've searched and searched and studied trying to find out what that means. And we don't really know for sure. But the most common conclusion is that when God established Israel as a nation, way back, the 12 tribes, that he gave them a covenant to follow. And that's what's being spoken of, of here. So there was something written even before Moses wrote the law and he wrote the Torah. There was something written that the children of Israel could look at and it would tell them how they were to worship and serve their Lord. Now, and they said, all the peop- and all the people, um, and that all the Lord has said, this is what the people were saying, we will do and be obedient. And Moses took the blood, sprinkled it on the people, and said, this is the blood of the covenant which the Lord has made with you according to all these words. Now, we have to understand that grace is much better by far, right, than the law. Grace allows us to be more intimate, more personal, and more loving than the law ever allowed us to be. And the reason is, under the law, man had to worship the Lord afar, it tells us here. But grace allows us to come right into intimate relationship with him. Remember, I told you to notice it says, and tell the people to worship from afar. In Ephesians, in fact, turn to this. <clears throat> Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 13. Ephesians 2 and verse 13. Ephesians 2 and 13. And it's funny, Vi and I were at a conference uh, a few weeks ago. And the speaker was awesome. But he would say, hey, I want you to turn to Isaiah 6-3. And he'd start reading. And you're like, <coughs> you know, trying to find it. I mean, maybe if you had a smartphone, it wouldn't be hard. And uh, I always think, and I probably told you this eight zillion times, but when I was um, training to be a, a teacher, uh, you know, taking an education course, and they always said, you always gave directions three times to your students. Because the first time you give directions, the students say, huh? The second time you give directions, they're saying, oh, okay, let me... And then the third time, they're able to find it. So that's why I do it three times. Now four, Ephesians 2.13. Ready? <laughs> Did I re- read this? No. I thought someone over there was saying, you already read that. So there you go. But now in Christ Jesus, listen to this. Listen. You who once were far off have been brought near, how? By the blood of of Christ. Wow. We don't have to worship afar off by the law. 
We don't have to stand on the bottom of Mount Sinai. We can go right up into the cloud and right up into the fire with Jesus Christ and just worship and love him. That's what we have in the Lord. That's an amazing promise. And also in this, it's very interesting that the people, they said to Moses with one voice, and whatever the Lord says, we shall do. Whatever the Lord says, we shall do. And you have to understand that's pride, but it wasn't based on just selfishness. I really think the people wanted to obey the Lord. I think the people wanted a relationship with God. I think they had a right heart. But saying anything the Lord commands us to do, we'll do, is really prideful because we're incapable of it. We wish we could be completely capable of obeying everything the Lord has commanded us to do, but we can't. Even in the Holy Spirit. You and I are born again of the Holy Spirit, and most often we walk this life heeding the word of God, loving Jesus, drawing close to him, but there are those times that we take these little paths. We take these little paths. We take these little, you know, go off here, go off there, go off here. And that's when we need his grace and love because all we have to do is cry out and say, Jesus, I took a wrong path. Forgive me. Bring me back. And you're right back on the right path with him. That's the love of God in Christ Jesus. You know, <clears throat> we always think that we can do more than we're capable of doing. Right? I promise I'll do this. I'll promise I'll do that. And the reality is we can't keep any promises. But God can. So our words should always be, with God's help, I'm going to do this. With God's help, I'm going to do that. With God's help, I'm going to seek his truth. Because on our own, we just go, you know, hither and fro. We have to really come back to the Lord. Because if it were possible for us, for instance, to keep the law, Jesus wouldn't need to have come, right? There'd be no reason if we could keep the law, but we're law breakers. Now listen to this. If it were possible for us to keep all of our promises, we would never have relationship problems with God or with one another. Right? Or with one another. And this is why it's so wonderful to recognize the reality of his grace and of his mercy. Because we could never have a, rela a loving relationship with God or with one another if it wasn't for grace and mercy. I'm not going to ask for a show of hands, but if I ask for a show of hands saying to you, have you ever had someone you love disappoint you? Your hands would go up and up and up. But the reality is we look to God because no human being on his own can keep any promise. But in the Lord, we can come into obedience. And you might be saying, well, what's the difference? Well, like if I said, um, every single day, Lord, I promise I'm going to get up every single morning and I'm going to do one hour of prayers on one knee and then one hour, is a prayer, one hour of prayer on the other knee, I promise I'll do that every day. And then we say to our spouse or whatever, you know, I promise you every morning when I get up, the first thing I'm going to do is I'm going to take the garbage out, I'm going to shovel the walks, and then I'm going to walk around the house and I'm going to make sure everything's taken care of properly before I ever go anywhere. Good promises. But the reality is we won't keep them. But we try to keep them. 
And that's the difference. We can't keep all the promises of God. We can't walk 100% according to his word, but we seek after him. That's what walking with the Lord is. I mean, it'd be great if when we walked with the Lord, it was like, doom, 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 doom. But here's how we walk with the Lord. Ready? We're like pinballs. You ever see a pinball? It always ends up coming to where it needs to go. But how does it go? Bing, 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 bing. Then it finally gets down there, and you have your little paddles and miss it. But uh, anyway, any of you know what a pinball machine is. <coughs> but you understand my point. We're all over the place, but we're heading in the right direction. That's, that's the hope. That's the encouragement that we're able to give one another. We're heading in the right direction. Now, the reality is that without grace, we are hopeless. We're hopeless. Because it would be like if you were playing a game, and the minute you, let's say you're playing checkers, and the minute you lost one checker, the game's over, you lost. That wouldn't be a very fun game, very productive game, right? But the fact is, you have plenty of chances. And that's not really a good game because eventually somebody loses. But my analogy being that the Lord gives us chances. It's not like we can just perfectly, like running an ob obstacle course, do it perfectly. We can't. But the Lord gives us chance after chance because he loves us so much. It's very important, if we notice what uh, Moses did, it's very important for us to build an altar before we approach the Lord. And the altar we build, brothers and sisters, is the sacrifice of ourself. That's the altar we built. In fact, turn with me to Luke 9.23. <clears throat> That's the Gospel of Luke, <laughs> chapter 9, verse 23. <clears throat> Chapter 9, verse 23. Now, it says, if anyone. That means, do you understand, just by virtue of it saying, if anyone, it's giving us a choice. It doesn't say everyone or you must. It says, if anyone. So we have a choice here. If anyone desires to come after me, here's the requirement. Let him deny himself. Take up his cross daily and follow me. Desire to follow after God? You've got to take up your cross. Daily. Not just once. You know, when you were saved, well, how, many, how many ever years ago it was, when you were saved, born again, that wasn't the end of it. Every day you've got to take up the cross. Every day you have to offer yourself in the altar of God, saying, Lord, use me. Because if we're willing to do this, then we're committing our day to the Lord. If we're unwilling to do this, we're committing our day to our own devices, brothers and sisters. Because if we're not hearing from the Lord, we're hearing from self. And you want to know something? Self makes a lot of mistakes. Self makes a lot of bad decisions. Because self always has the wrong agenda. I mean, that's the way it is. So we need to be saying, Lord, I just want to follow you. What do you want me to do today? How would you have me walk? What's the plan you have for, for my life? Remember what we studied a little bit earlier? 
he has prepared works in advance for us. Lord, I just want to walk in the works you've prepared for me. I don't want to go my own way and do my own thing because I make a lot of bad decisions. Now, in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 9, you can just listen. For we are his workmanship, you and I, created in Christ for what? For good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. We prepare a lot of good works for ourselves, but we have to walk according to the works he's prepared for us. Well, you know what I'm going to do today, Lord? I'm going to do this, and I'm going to do that. I'm going to go here, and I'm going to go there, and I'm going to be... What does the Lord... What does he have for you to do? Have you ever had... I mean, maybe I'm the only person in the world that deals with this, but have you ever had one of those days where, man, you have a plan, you have a direction, you really know what you want to do for that day, and you take about two steps into 8 a.m., and it's like all of a sudden, something comes up that you've got to go in that direction. Well, maybe that's the work that God has prepared for you. You follow what I'm saying? You know, we get up, and we might have all these plans, but what does the Lord want us to do? Sometimes we have to take a detour. Sometimes we have to do a U-turn to follow the Lord. God is so awesome. And then Moses offered the sacrifice of animals, but remember Jesus offered himself. In Galatians 2.20 it says, listen to what Paul is saying here in Galatians 2.20. He makes it very personal. He's talking about himself. He says, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer... I who live, but Christ Jesus lives in me, in the life I now live in the flesh. I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. That's what God has commanded us to do. That's God's word. In Revelation chapter 5, verses 9 and 10, and it says, And they sang a new song, saying, You are worthy to take the scroll and to open its seals. For you were slain and have redeemed us to God by your blood out of every tribe, tongue, and people of the nation, and, and nation, everyone, and have made us kings and priests to our God, and we shall reign with him. Now, we have to remember, we must be sprinkled, like Moses sprinkled the people. We must be sprinkled. We must be covered by the blood of the Lamb not by some philosophical or psychological assessment or direction, but we have to be sprinkled by the love of the Lord, by the direction of the Lord. Literally, we have to be surrendered to him in whatever he desires of us, period. Now, also, we can't be or become who we think the Lord wants us to be, but we have to receive his ordained purpose for us. In other words, I think God wants me to be this. I think God wants me to be that. Maybe he doesn't. Maybe he wants you to be this. And um, I I don't even remember who it was. Maybe Vi would remember. But years ago, years ago, there was a um, a very well-known artist, you know, or whatever they call him, singer, you know, guy, whatever he was. And he got saved. And everybody assumed he was going to become a Christian artist and he made the statement god didn't call my guitar he called me and he went in the ministry that's where the lord called him and so we have to realize what does the lord want i'm willing lord here i am send me 
Because it tells us it's not by might or power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. That's taken from Zechariah 4, 6. Now we pick up with verse 9. Then Moses went up, also Aaron, Nadab, and Abihu, and 70 of the elders of Israel. And they saw the God of Israel, and there was under his feet, as it were, a paved work of sapphire stones. And it was like the very heavens in its clarity. But on the nobles of the children of Israel, he did not lay his hand. So they saw God, and they ate and drank. Then the Lord said to Moses, Come up to me on the mountain and be there, and I will give you tablets of stone. We know that's the Ten Commandments. And the law, that's when the law was given to him, and commandments which I have written, that you may teach them. So Moses arose with his assistant Joshua, and Moses went up to the mountain of God, and he said to the elders, Wait here for us until we come back to you. For, before we, until we come back to you. Um, Indeed, Aaron and Hur are with you. If any man has a difficulty, let him go to them. Then Moses went up on the mountain, and the cloud covered the mountain. Now the glory of the Lord rested on the Mount uh, Sinai, and the cloud covered it six days. And on the seventh day, he called to Moses out of the midst of the cloud. The, the sight of the glory of the Lord was like a consuming fire on the top of the mountain in the eyes of the children of Israel. So Moses went into the midst of the cloud and went up into the mountain. And Moses was on the mountain 40 days and 40 nights. Now, whenever we have an earthly appearance of God, Pastor Frank Jr. laid this out perfectly in the first service. It's always Jesus Christ. The, the term we use, and you know, the theological term we use is either a theophany or a Christophany. And that's a pre-incarnate appearance of Christ. And any time uh, God appeared to men, it was always Jesus. It was always the Son. Now, it's also interesting. There's no description given of God except that he was on a road of sapphire. Now, it's interesting that the word for sapphire in Hebrew can also be translated clear or transparent. And the understanding of this is that his ways are easy to understand. His ways are transparent. God is standing on this road of transparency. It's not like... Well, I need to figure out how to worship God and to get into close relationship to him. I need to cross my knees and I need to put my hands together and I need to feel the God. That's all baloney. We just go right to God. It's clear. It's easy. Here I am, Lord. Save me. Here I am, Lord. I worship you. I love you. Just go right to God. Nothing that we have to do. Because we have to realize that in Jesus Christ, we can go near from a distance, the Lord might seem very frightening, even terrifying, but you want to know something? Up close, he's altogether lovely. People look at God, oh God, and they get all worried. But you are saved, you're born again, and you come right in the presence of the, uh, of the Lord through Jesus Christ. He's altogether lovely. In Deuteronomy 34.10, it, it says, Since then no prophet has risen in Israel like Moses, whom the Lord knew face to face. Now here's the interesting thing. That's in Israel. That's in the Old Covenant. Under the New Covenant, every single one of us can know the Lord face to face. We can have the same relationship with God face to face. Moses spoke with God as one man speaks to another. We're going to read about a little bit later. We can be face to face with the Lord. 
So the only way we can see the Lord face to face, of course, is spiritually. In Hebrews 12, 12 through 14, it says, Therefore, strengthen your feeble arms and weak knees. Make level, level your paths for your feet, so that the lame may not be disabled, but rather healed. Make every effort to live in peace with all men and to be holy. Without holiness, no one will see the Lord. So we come to Jesus. All our infirmities are healed. Now understand that some of the greatest infirmities we have aren't visible. When we think of an infirmity, we only think of an arm, a leg, you know, part of our physical body. But some of the greatest infirmities we have are in our heart. Some of the greatest infirmities we have are just known to us. But he's able to heal all of our infirmities. But we have to understand that his desire is for us to be holy. It says, without holiness, no one will see the Lord. Now, let me share. This is important to share. Some people think, well, do you mean I have to be perfect and I have to be completely holy before I can see the Lord, before I can be in his presence? No. Holiness is desiring the things of God. Holiness is seeking after the things of God. When you fall down, you get back up. You're on the holy path. You're on that straight and narrow, and you're going to see God. That's the promise we have from his word. Now, in Ephesians 1.4, it says, For he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. Now, a lot of people read that verse wrongly. Here's the way they read it. For he chose us in him before the creation of the world, period. And that we should be holy and blameless. There's no period there. What it's talking about here, it's, it's talking about the fact that he chose us, all of us, before the creation of the world to be holy. Not he chose us. Well, there's some people that can be saved and some can't. They can try all they want, but they weren't predestined, so they can't go to heaven. They're going to die. That is it's ungodly, really, because it goes completely against the nature of God. What it's telling us here is he chose us before the foundation and creation of the world to be holy. He wants us to be holy, to walk in righteousness with him. And one of the things we have to understand it's just like the rules and regulations that we give our children. We give our children these rules and regulations out of love. You know, let's say you live uh, next to 690. You say, well, Johnny, I want you to know something. If you walk out beyond our boundary line, I'm going to have to spank you because there are cars and trucks coming down that road, and if you go out there, you're going to get killed. Oh, you're so unloving. You're so unkind. You're putting all these restrictions on your child. You're not giving them the ability to make their own choices. So what do they want you to do? Well, Johnny, here's the backyard. If you go out in 690, well, nice knowing you. You know what I mean? So it's the same way with God. He gives us his law, his rules, his regulations because he loves us. He's trying to keep us within the parameters, in the boundaries of his, of Beulah land, of his love that we don't go out and get hurt. That's his love for us. Now remember, our God, though, still is a consuming fire. In Hebrews chapter 12 and verses 28 through 29, and this is an important point, so please pay attention. In Hebrews chapter 12 and verses 28 through 29, it says, Therefore, whenever you see a therefore, you have to make sure when you have time you go back and read what's before it. Because therefore is just telling you the consequence of what we've just been reading, okay? So anyway, in Hebrews 12, starting with verse 28. Therefore, since we are receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken, 
You're born again. You're going to heaven. It can't be shaken. Let us be thankful and so worship God acceptably with reverence and awe. Listen to this, verse 29. For our God is a consuming fire. Here's the point. He either purifies or he consumes. I mean, he burns away all the dross if we allow him. If we go to the Lord and say, here I am, Lord. Man, I'll tell you what, I'm just an unclean thing. And his heat is going to come and purify us and make us beautiful. I remember um, years ago in a class talking about refining gold. And probably none of you have ever refined gold because if you did, you'd be living in a mansion. But anyway, um, and when you refine gold, you put it in this big fire. It looks, looks like ugly rock with mud and all kinds of stuff. And you put it in these big vats and you put it under the heat, just the way they did it years ago. And then it would all melt. And then they would bring the vat off the fire this is how they did it many years ago. And they had a little skimmer because the top of that gold would be loaded with crap. Just all kinds of debris and yucky stuff. And they would skim it off. And then guess what they did? They put it back in the fire. And they let it heat all up again. Then they would bring it off, and when it cooled, guess what? There's more crap on the top. Not as much, but there's more there. And the point is, that's how gold is refined. And God loves us more than gold. And he wants to refine us. He wants to purify us. He wants to make us like him. That is the God that we love. And um, the choice, listen, is either submission or resistance. That's the choice. Either I'm submitting to God's word or I'm resisting it. You know, we can't be like the people who want to black out parts of the Bible they don't agree with or black out parts of the Bible that they just refuse to accept. The word is the word. The word's the word. And so we have to realize there's either submission or there's resistance. The choice is ours. And sometimes we make the wrong choice. And that's what's so wonderful about God's grace and mercy. He gives you another chance. Isn't that awesome? He's so good. And notice, Moses disappeared up in the clouds for 40 days and 40 nights. Now, here's what's interesting about it. I don't know if you can remember to write, get all these written down, but I just, I'm going to go through it quickly. In Genesis 7, 1, it tells us it rained for 40 days and 40 nights. In Genesis 8, 67, it says, after 40 days, Noah opened the window of the ark. In Numbers 1, 35, uh, the spies went into the country and spied it out for 40 days. In 1 Samuel, Goliath presented himself to the armies of Israel for 40 days. In 1 Samuel 7, 16, Elijah um, fasted for 40 days when Jezebel was chasing him. In 1 Kings 19:8, Ezekiel was commanded to lie on one side for his people, for Judah, to pray for them for 40 days. In Ezekiel 9, 6, Jonah preached in Nineveh for 40 days. And then also Jesus fasted in the wilderness, Matthew um, 4, 2, for 40 days. And Jesus, when he rose from the dead, he presented himself to the people for 40 days. So why do we have 40, 40 days, 40 days? In so many verses of Scripture, including this portion. I don't know. I'm, I'm not that deep a scholar. But I am going to share with you what Adam Clark said. Adam Clark's commentary says, 40 days was considered, according to Jewish tradition, as a complete time for humiliation. 
Now, it's talking, not talking about being embarrassed kind of humiliation. It's talking about simply being humbled before the Lord. In other words, Lord, whatever. You know, sometimes we have to come to that place of humiliation where it's like, you know what, Lord, I can't do it. I'm just tired of trying. I don't even know what to do. Lord, I just give myself to you. You, you take it. And then the Lord's saying, now, now I can work with you. Now I can work with that person. God's word, brothers and sisters, is just so awesome. And if we studied it, like what it really is, the word of God, can you imagine how it can truly revolutionize our Christian walk? Study to show yourself approved. Working to correctly handle the word of truth. Need you not be ashamed. I'm not trying to put a guilt trip on anyone. I'm trying to put an encouragement in each one of you, your hearts because I've never found that when I've had a time of prayer and study of the word that I walk away thinking, oh, that was a bummer. You know what I'm saying? Usually at the end of the day, when I haven't studied the word in prayer, I get in bed saying, that was a bummer. But when I've studied the word and I've been in prayer, I go to bed, hallelujah, <laughs> and I can't sleep. God is good. And he wants to take us right where we are right now. I don't know where you are, but God does. He wants to take you right where you are right now. And he wants to bring you into the Holy of Holies. He wants to bring you into intimate worship and fellowship with him. And if there's anyone here who doesn't even know Jesus, doesn't even know how to come into his presence, I'm here, Pastor Frank Jr. is back there. Just come and talk to us. Seek us out after the service, and we'll put everything aside to pray with you and encourage you in the Lord. But the rest of us, let's really get back on the path. Father, we come before you in Jesus, Yeshua's name, and we thank you for your word and the truth that we find in it. We ask, Heavenly Father, that you would use your word to be our guide, to be our lamp, that we might walk in all your ways, doing the works that you have prepared in advance for us. And so come by your Holy Spirit, Heavenly Father, and speak and minister your truth to us, I pray in Christ Jesus' name. And all of God's people said, Amen. Amen.